I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Wudichup in the southwest Bujara region in Noongar also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. This is episode number 82. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. And today I have the pleasure of chatting with Lana Jade. Lana is an intimacy coach as well as an adult industry coach slash mentor. She's been in the industry for seven years and during that time she's had an incredibly successful career. Lana began in the industry as many do, desperate and in need of money to turn her dreams into a reality and to feed her family. She had always been interested in and fascinated by the adult industry and in a sense she is grateful for that desperation leading her to exploring it. Lana comes from a sales and marketing background and is determined, strong-willed and resourceful. So it wasn't long after working for agencies and others that she started working independently. By navigating the industry's rapid changes, feeling overwhelmed at times, reworking strategies and systems continuously and shifting her priorities, Lana developed a very structured and systematic way that works for her, earning her more than she had ever earned, while also having the balance that she craved. She has made the industry work for her, and that's exactly what she wants to do with others. You can find Lana on Twitter, uh, which is LanaJadeXXX, or on Instagram at what's, and that's W-A-T-S-S, dot my dot name dot again, what's my name again, or uh, she's got her own podcast, which I definitely recommend checking out. It's called the Are You Available podcast, um, and her link to that is r.u.available.podcast on Instagram. Definitely recommend checking it out again. Uh, like I said, this was a super interesting conversation. Uh, and the two of us, we talk about her experience in the adult industry, as well as the stigmatization that she has felt specifically from the spirituality and tantra and sacred sexuality communities, communities that are supposedly sex positive and you know, it's uh, liberated and, and interested in eroticism uh, and how they may be also, in spite of all that, still stigmatize sex workers. Um, we also talk about how she works with clients, how she integrates other modalities into her work, um, how she communicates and talks about pleasure with her male clients, uh, as well as uh, how she works with clients online as well with OnlyFans and, um, and how she shows up authentically in that regard. Super interesting conversation. Uh, again, not something that I've seen talk too much about in the sacred sexuality and spirituality communities. So I'm really grateful that Lana was open to talking about her work with me um, and we could contribute this conversation to this community uh, that, that we're both a part of. So like I said, really enjoyable for myself to have a chat with Lana and I hope you enjoy listening. Today, I'm going to be discussing an activity that some of you might find embarrassing. However, I assure you, there is nothing to be ashamed of. It doesn't seem to me that you have to go straight to intercourse or that you have to go all the way at all. You can't have sex in a good relationship without both partners being involved in contraception. We jump in and I usually start with an invitation. My invitation is 
um, I'd love to just learn a little bit more about you, about um, the work that you do, uh, and and I guess like what your passions are. I'm actually really getting more into like asking people what they're really passionate about. So that's getting me uh, really juiced up in terms of um, you know talking to people. So yeah, that's my invitation, an open invitation to you to share a little bit about yourself and your passions. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for the invitation, and thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you. I've been following you for a while now because. Um, I just love what you share as well. So I've been, you know, I've loved watching your um, your social media and following you. And because one of my passions is, I mean, sexuality as a whole. So I've been a sex worker for um, seven or eight years now, but I've always been a really sexual person. So like kind of feel like I just found my place, you know, I was allowed to be sexual. I was allowed to be you know, openly comfortable as a sexual being, which is so rare, really, um, within society. And so one of my passions has been working with people on a sexual level, which has started as sex work, but has developed. Um, I've been studying Tantra. I've been doing some somatic work and looking more into sexual education to, like, progress my career into being able to help more people in a different way. This is one of the things I loved about my job was that I got to be this experience for people. You know, it wasn't just about me. It was about them being vulnerable and being true to their, true to themselves and true to their own desires and having the space to, you know, delve into what they really wanted to experience and have the freedom to, you know, whether it be like you know, anything, any sort of fantasy or any anything really that they ha either couldn't get in their everyday lives or weren't comfortable sharing with their partners or whatever in their everyday lives. So, like, my passion for sexuality grew the more that I became, um, you know, involved in the industry and meeting people in that sense. And, yeah, it's just grown over the years to being, well, since I have, a like, an online presence, like, smallish online presence, I would get people contacting me all of the time about different um, intimacy needs or issues and women mostly, like men as well, but I can help men essentially. I've got the skills to be able to help them. Women I hadn't though. And uh, I would try and I'm like, I actually don't know how I can help these people. I don't have the skills, but I want to learn how to you know, help them find their connection with their sexual selves and with their sexual being and reclaim, like, their sexual sovereignty and, and you know, firstly with themselves and then obviously enhance the pleasure with their partners and things like that. So that's kind of where my passion lies and how my career sort of progressed to opening up the, the doors and having the skills and knowledge to be able to work with people on a different level. Yeah, that's very cool. I am, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful that you um, are open to sharing about your um, experiences, not only as uh, a sex worker, I suppose, but then kind of, you know, in terms of the progression of that and where it's heading in terms of the, like the career trajectory. I think there's like so much value in, um, in having these conversations, hence why I, I wanted to invite you on. And, and um, I'm curious uh, with regards to like maybe moving forward is, I know you said you, you, kind of studied some um, somatic work and um, like some other modalities there. And I'm, I'm wondering how's, how's the, um, the things that you've been learning, how's that impacted your relationships with clients? 
Mm, that's a good question. Um, because I've been in lockdown so much, so I haven't been working so much this year, but I so I really haven't been able to utilize these skills yet to um, with clients. But so I've been studying, I studied somatic, like an erotic somatic educator course, um, doing a tantra teacher training course, and I've done some other somatic things as well. And but the tantra uh, you know, that's what I think will be like the biggest change with me working with clients. And I'm really excited to be able to, you know, learn more of those skills and implement, you know, those views and practices in that way, because it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's just really, it's just a whole different field, really. I mean, there's like, it's all intertwined, obviously, as you would know, but it's, it's interesting how, um, how far removed some of people feel from some of the practices. And that was one of the biggest draw cards for me to learn these skills. So like I've always been a spiritual person and always been interested in this sort of thing, but I've all kind of felt like boxed into sex work or like, like I didn't like stay in your lane kind of thing. Like this is what you should be. This is what you should do. And, um, but but there's so many practices and there's so many ideas and things that are relevant in Tantra and somatic work that are so necessary for the rest of society, but that the way that they're taught and then the way that they're being communicated is so far removed from the way people, uh, the language they use. And and so they, they can't see the correlation between ev- their lives and what this, like, this whole thing is. So that was part of um, my wanting to further my knowledge in it, to be able to bridge the gap between spirituality and sexuality and, and like kind of remove some of the, you know, the blockages that come up because it's also interrelated and it's also um, necessary for people to be able to understand things from different perspectives. And, and But it's just it's the way that it's communicated, I think, can be one of the hardest things for people to like wrap their heads around. Yeah, I actually totally agree with you. And it's one of the reasons why I kind of moved a little bit further away from the spirituality and tantra and sacred sexuality space. It's because firstly, a lot of the language that they were using wasn't resonating with me. And I was using that same language. I was like, I don't even really like, I, 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 I kind of understand it, but I'm like, well, it doesn't, I don't like the language. So I, um, I wanted to, again, with my work, especially for men, like kind of bridge that gap between the esoteric kind of mystical space and just some average, regular, down-to-earth, practical stuff that you can start to implement and, and do in your own sex life. And um, yeah, I think that's a really good bridge for, for people to, to enter into the world. I mean, particularly for men, what I found is like, if I just kind of keep the keep the information relatively grounded, keep the language quite simple and quite like physical oriented, not too mystical or spiritual, then guys resonate with that a lot more. And then once they're kind of their foot's in the door, then I introduce a little bit more of like the spiritual language or a little bit more yeah. of the esoteric things. And they're like, they're yeah, already primed slowly. for it. Yeah, just slowly integrate yeah. it. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I, I wanted to ask, um, you know, with regards to to COVID, and, and this doesn't have to be a huge conversation because I know it, it definitely could be. Um, obviously, it's had an impact on on your work, right? You said you, you haven't really been able to see a lot of clients. And I'm wondering, has it been much opportunity to pivot or change things or maybe do stuff online in your own um in your own work yeah i mean i mean 
There was the first time round. So the first time round, I did OnlyFans and like online things, but I didn't have my daughter with me um, at home. Then she was with her dad for that first lockdown. So this lockdown, I've got my daughter at home 24-7. And uh, so it's hard to do like online sort of services, uh, which is fine. It's just been, again, yeah, like a pivot. So I had been doing just it happened to be really good timing. I was doing a mentoring program, um, which started at the beginning of the lockdown, which is like a six-week program for people within the industry to further their, you know, their skills, um, a whole range of things. And that was just perfectly timed just by chance. To So that carried me through the first like seven weeks. Um, it gave me, I was super busy. It was a really successful program. And so, um which I wouldn't have been able to take that many people actually if I hadn't had been working normally. So in that sense, it was it was a really really good. Um, but as for this kind of industry, it's been really hard. And um, now, like what nine or ten weeks into it, it's like hard to kind of get into the zone to be that person for somebody else. You know, like my biggest part of my job is being able to be like the light of their day and like, like give them like energy essentially and fill their quote intimacy quota and all of the things. And so they leave happier, but I've got like nothing to give them at the moment. So, you know, it is what it is. It's just like, you know, seasonal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's such a, um, that's such a, a powerful thing to, to like be, observant of is like the amount of energy that you have to give to another person right like and i feel similarly if i'm if i've got a couple of clients back to back by the by the time i get to like the fourth client um who i'm holding space for and like going through an emotional process for their like sexual sharings even though it's not a physical thing it, it still takes a toll on like my capacity like to to just kind of be present with them so i fully um yeah, I um I empathize with that, and and um I don't think that's like really, like, at least in my circles and the the people that I'm thinking of in terms of listening to this podcast, I don't think that's acknowledged enough. Like with regards to sex workers, like the the energetic and emotional kind of capacity that there is, and and you know to 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 be able to kind of hold space for people and, and to fill up their cup, right, from from your own cup to kind of give to them, I think is really um powerful to acknowledge. So um. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how do you um, how do you manage that? What do you do to kind of fill your cup back up? Do you, do you put a limit on the amount of clients that you see? Like what are some strategies that you use? Yeah, this is a really interesting point and it's a really interesting thing because it's never acknowledged. Well, I mean, we don't have teachers, right? Like we go into the industry and there's no real guidelines and nobody there to guide you and nobody, you know, like um, I've studied counselling as well. Like one of the major things, well, one of the things you learn, right, is burnout, which is across so many industries. But it's like when I was seeing a, psycho a psychologist, it was he explained it to me in the same he's like we have burnout too but like we've been given the tools and the skills to be able to take people's um whatever they're telling us and be able to process that you know with supervision and all of the different ways that you're taught but as a sex worker you fundamentally have a similar type of burnout in the sense it's not usually a physical thing that's to burnout it is the emotional thing and you've got to be something you've got to be like um whatever that is for that person, like everybody has a different need. So it's not like you're like a particular character, but you've got to be whatever it is for that person. 
And that takes a lot of energy, plus the emotional things, plus it could be like a serious conflict of your own internal like um, value systems, which again would be similar to any, you know, mental health worker really. So, um, so yeah, to manage it at the beginning, I did not <laughs> manage it very well. <laughs> and, um, but now like I work in a completely different way. Like I don't do last minute bookings. I don't like bust my ass trying to service like and you know run around Sydney trying to find people you know do all of these bookings I just do everything in advance so I can like mentally prepare for it and like get into the zone I guess create the like vibe and energy that I need and then um yeah just just general self-care sort of stuff which I mean is different for everybody but yeah, but I think one of the other, so one of, I'm doing counselling, or I'm moving into counselling as well, and one of the major things that, uh, areas that I wanted to work in specifically was with sex workers, because it's very hard to find a non-biased therapist, even if they, nobody's meant to be biased, obviously, but they still have a lot of bias that comes across, I mean, and not just sex work, it could be anything, right, but um, in this instance like sex work is such a major part of your identity in a sense and like all of the things that relating to your mental health can not always not count be stemmed back to it but like it does have major impact so to either not tell a therapist about sex work or to have a therapist that's like biased or has views that are stigmatizing around it it's pretty hard and it's an expensive process of elimination too so, um, and the fact that we don't have like talk therapy or like as a regular thing for people, you know, to debrief and to like unwind and, you know, get it out, you know, talk to somebody about their experiences, like supervision essentially for sex workers. Um, yeah. So that's, that was one of the driving forces of why I wanted to do counseling, particularly in this area, because like it's, it's 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 um it's stereotypical to say that a lot of sex workers need therapy, but it's also like a lot of people need therapy. Just <laughs> yeah, generally, yeah. I 100% agree. And I think, I think we should all be going better. to see a therapist. Yeah, we really should be though. Like everybody should have a therapist as like a thing, right? Um, so yeah, so that was one of the driving forces and one of the reasons because that was what I realized is like why was I getting burnt out so often? Like why was you know like if I get burnt out, I get cold, so I get really run down like all of the things and I was like what am I doing wrong and it could just seem you know just not like having the person or somebody to speak to about what's going on or like unloading some of the you know the pent-up emotions that other people have loaded onto you and all of that sort of stuff so yeah um I'm I'm really conscious of it now and I do like a million different self-care things but yeah it's a huge thing that should should really be addressed more frequently within the sex industry because it's a big part of it. Yeah, totally. And is, is that something that you, you talk about and teach in your course, like in the course that you have for people within the, in the, within the industry? <laughs> yeah, I do um, to a degree. I'm working out how to integrate that more effectively because like some people are really open to, un, you know, like everyone's at different levels of, um, I don't, one of my friends keeps saying, you need to do yoga, do this. You need to like welcome them into the space. You need to do this. And I'm like, that's cool. Like I, yeah, but they're not like all that way inclined. They're like, I want to do stuff. Like I'm here to do business. Like I want to do this. It's like a completely different vibe to oh, let's take a minute, you know, <laughs> um, 
So I do have like a module about it, but I want to be able to integrate it more effectively into like the whole thing because it is so important. Yeah, very cool. What are some of the other modules that you're, you don't have to go into great detail here, but what are some of the other modules that you're touching on with the, the course? Yeah, so it's like we do like business analysis and branding, marketing, client retention, satisfaction, sales, um, self-care and um, time management, which is a huge part of self-care <laughs> uh, or discipline and yeah, and that kind of thing. Really, like we set goals and work towards content creation and things like that that's appropriate because for the industry, because we face so many barriers with our marketing, as you would understand for some degree with the, you know, sex, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's that was kind of my my agenda with that question was to, to speak to you about like being present online and having a bit of a social media, you know, um, presence, like what, what barriers are you facing? Um, you know, we kind of alluded to it, but I'd be interested to, to hear from from yourself, like what are some of the things you've come up against? Oh, li- literally every barrier, really. <laughs> um, it's just like every day you're kind of just waiting to see if you're going to be one of the people that gets deleted this week, you know, like it's just so hard at the moment with even Twitter. Twitter's deleting accounts left, right and centre and I'm like, it's uncensored. And I'm like, I can't understand why people are losing accounts on Twitter. Instagram, Instagram, like, it's not good, but at least it's it's not like something sudden and we've always known the rules and it's always been a risk and they're just getting harsher and whatever. There's not much you can do about it, I guess. Like, what what do you do about it? I don't know. Um, so, so, yeah, all of those, like, there's just so many barriers around sex or like sex work, yes, but just sex in general. Like not even being able to write sex on the like on Instagram is just mind blowing. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, you know, and this kind of I guess speaks to like our societal stigma that we have around sex work in particular, um, which is I think you know people that are listening to this already kind of have a uh, an idea of that. So I don't want to necessarily go into like the general society stigma of sex work, but what I am interested in is like the more spiritually inclined, like sacred sexuality spaces, the people that are supposedly quite sex positive and quite tapped into their sexuality and sexual liberation, who then also have an issue with sex workers. And I'm wondering, have you, without maybe mentioning any names here, have you experienced any of that stigma from that particular community? I know you said you're quite spiritual yourself. So I'm wondering if that's popped up for you. Yeah, and um, that was always one of the my hesitancies about delving more into that. I've, that's why I actually don't speak about it online. I still feel like it's like I haven't like earned my place to be this spiritual, sacred sexuality persona online in any sense. So I've, um, but that's like my own thing I need to work with. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have. I've noticed it online and with people that I follow and. I haven't interacted with many people personally because I'm so open about what I do. So I think I don't see a lot of the bias because I'm just like, wait, I am a sex worker. So they, you know, they don't aren't as open about their own personal. You like you, un, you can see with some of the language that they use that they have an issue with it. But um, there's definitely been people online or with emails that I've received that have 
such a detrimental, like just such a derogatory view of the industry and they're coming from this space where they feel that their opinions on sex and sacred sexuality, sexual, I can't even speak, sacred sexuality is more relevant than a sex worker's is because they're like, from their communications, they're higher than them and their view is higher. So the sex worker who chooses to work on OnlyFans or other porn sites, they're just like, you know, um, wasting their talents on cheap and nasty sort of websites because, you know, some people don't view them as sacred. And But, like, how can you be that thing, right? Like, how can you say... I honour you and you as an individual are powerful and all of these things, but wait, hang on, <laughs> you, you're making the wrong decision. Like, I don't I don't agree with that. You're not powerful enough to make your own choices, right, essentially, is what they're saying. Like, you're still doing it wrong. Like, you can't be empower somebody and be sexually liberating and then be like, no, you can't use your sex like that. I don't, I don't agree with the way that you're using your sexuality. That's cheap to me. Like, that's their own personal work that needs to be done. If if you can't let somebody use this, their body and their sexuality in any way, even if it doesn't align with your own values, then you aren't sexually liberated, really. Like if you, you can't have biases against other people's um, careers and what they do with their body just because you don't want to do it or you don't see it as valuable or it's a waste of their skills. These industries are huge and so relevant, like, so not everybody has the money to see an escort. And, I mean, not everybody can get that intimacy in their everyday life. Like so many of my clients are lonely or just don't have the social skills or opportunities to find the intimacy in their everyday life. And, it's like, everybody needs it. Like anybody that works in the sacred sexuality space understands the importance of intimacy and touch and, and connection. Some people don't get that. And the only way that they can get that is by paying a provider who is able to fulfill that need right there and there, but also provide them with um, confidence and things that actually build up all of their skills to enable them to, you know, branch out if they want to, like not everybody does. But so often people will have limited skills or they'll be virgin or whatever and they'll start seeing a worker with they really don't have much confidence and it's um and then it just grows like the more they connect with people and the more that they are fulfilled within themselves it's not less something that we do directly but it's just like it helps them find their own you know sexuality and confidence and be able to use use that in other other arenas so when somebody says that in uh, porn sorry that was the other thing like with OnlyFans not everyone has like enough money to see an escort and you know OnlyFans is hugely successful because of the connection with the direct messaging and the more it's like a per, they feel like it's personal in a lot of senses talk to them about their day and just random just chit chat and like it might be cheap and it might be nasty because that's like the idea of it, you know, like that's the thing. Some people want cheap and nasty like as a census, you know, like that could be hot too. Who says it's not? It doesn't always need to be sensual and whatever. Like you can have like cheap, nasty sex. Like what's wrong with that? Um, 
so but you know that in itself is a need like porn isn't bad like there's I think there's needs to be education around porn and like how it relates how it's not realistic in a lot of senses but porn by itself is not the problem and but people view on porn and the performers are the problem and viewing somebody as less capable of making a decision about their sexual sexuality and the way that they choose to make um, a profit or make money is like it's so disempowering to to any individual yeah yeah there's like like I, I feel the same way about porn. I don't think porn inherently there's anything wrong with it. I think that there's some systems behind it, like the capitalistic industry behind it is a problem, just like capitalism and as an industry is a problem across the board with regards to all workforces, right? Um, similarly with, with sex work, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with sex work, but I think the capitalistic framework behind it and the lack of um, support that a lot of sex workers has, like a, 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 the lack of support that a lot of people that produce adult content also have the you know there's not a lot of people um there's a lot of barriers i suppose to to you know using the money that they get from those particular uh streams of income um you know i I know a lot of um because i follow a a few um, performers online that there's even problems with receiving that income in the first place and, and a lot of like uh payment processes like holding that or barring them from getting any money and so you know, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with um, those things, but I think we have to address like the industry as a whole and the systems behind what the industry is built on and why there's like like lack of support. And when we get people like the, you know, again, I could mention names, but I'm definitely not going to because that'll stir stir some controversy. But um, but the like the people that like are sexually liberated, but then are also anti-porn and anti-sex work. I'm like, how can you be, you know? how can you be, how can you call yourself liberated? You know, you, you kind of said it perfectly. They position themselves higher, their opinions worth more than you know, people that are working in what they perceive as like the cheaper, nasty versions of, of sexuality. And, and it's like, um, yeah, it's just those, those types of attitudes are really perpetuating the, the, um, the issues around like exploitation in the industry because things aren't being talked about and, and being, you know, um, having conversations about that. They're, they're just still being stigmatized and, and swept under the rug and, and told that they're wrong and told and, and not being you know, people in the industry aren't being listened to, I suppose is like my biggest thing. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to speak to you is because there's not a lot of opportunities, at least that I've seen in, in like my field for, um, yeah, for sex workers and, and people in the porn industry to actually have a conversation um, about what it is that they're doing and um, and how it's not not this uh, horrible, horrendous thing that people are uh, you know projecting onto them. I suppose <laughs> it's it's really funny because people have like this. I you know like as a social experiment when I first started in the industry and I like enjoyed the um, the conflict. I suppose. No, I don't have the energy for it. But I would go out and I'd be like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a sex worker. And then just like you'd see like the looks that would flash across their face. would be like pity and disgust and they wouldn't really kind of know what to say. And they're like, well, you know, if you have to do it, I guess. And I'm like, I don't have to do it. Like I want to do it. Like I want to. Like, you know, what's your exit strategy there? And I'm like, what exit strategy? I'm happy doing this. No, you, you must, you know, you can't be a 40-year-old sex worker, right? Like you can't do that. You can't, you know, what what do you plan to do? You obviously don't only going to do it for a little while. So they they just feel sorry for you for what what reason? Like I'm there buying all the freaking drinks, you know, like like 
and um, they've just like they pity you for something. But I mean, this is the thing. I used to get really angry about those sort of views. And I would get on my high horse and I would, like, want to preach about how sex workers work and we're people and blah, blah, blah. But then I realised it's deeper than sex work. It's, like, people have, have these views when there's, like, an internal fear or an inadequacy. Um, you know, with women, it's, like, whether or not that they fear that their partners are seeing sex workers or they feel inadequate with their partner or just within themselves and men you know, there could be a million different reasons that they feel like have that animosity towards sex workers. Um, so, and that's how I realised it's not just about sex work, it's about sex. And that's the problem with society. And unfortunately, we bear the brunt of, um, of those complications around their own internal, you know, conflicts and all of these layers of shame and, you know, all of the things that contribute to someone not feeling sexually um, sovereign, liberated. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah, as a sex worker, we see it firsthand and how that comes across, but it's more than that. It's it's people's disconnection from sex. And, like, you see it online. You can see how it's, it's so bizarre that society, like, sex is used to sell us pretty much anything it's like it's used in marketing it's used in every which way it's it's a huge industry as like outside of it but then when it comes to sex like for our personal selves it's like it shouldn't be a thing it's like it's not important if you've got a problem with your diet you can see nutritionist dietitian pt like anything to do with you know eating or any any other problem right but when it comes to sex like it's not a problem. Like it shouldn't be a problem. You shouldn't have sex problems. You shouldn't have a, it's, you know, how many people can you turn to, to solve an issue that you've got with sex? It's like so swept under the rug that we should be having sex, despite the fact it's used to sell us everything. And, but it's still like, we haven't, we're not even comfortable with admitting that we need it, that it's a fundamental need. It's more than like just a desire, like inherit, well, we need it to like you know, have kids and all of that. But but outside of that, like it's not, it's not, um, yeah, it's, I can't think of the word now. <laughs> you know, it's not respected as something that we need and, like, it's just so bizarre to me that we can, it can, like, it drives so many emotions, it drives so many behaviours in society, humanity, and but when it comes down to it, like, it's like we shouldn't, even be saying the word sex, you know, like, <laughs> so bizarre. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure-oriented, We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. Yeah, we have this like, um, uh, uh, the the phrase that comes to mind, but I want to just preface this by saying that um, I recognize this is... um, 
ableist language, which is like we have a real bipolar relationship with sex in our society. And I think maybe like a, a better word would be like we feel like there's a big misalignment in our relationship with sex in society, right? Because we're like bombarded with sex everywhere, right? Sex is used to sell us stuff, right? It's 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 all the TV shows, like there's gratuitous sex scenes in TV shows, like in movies, like it, it li- literally is everywhere. But the way that we interact with it is just like very, like we're very skittish in the way we interact with it. Like don't talk about it online. Like don't, you know, it's, you know, it's taboo if, if you know, when I first started posting about sex on, on social media, I had like a lot of people like, go what the fuck are you talking about like why are you talking about this like this isn't what social media is for and i was like if we got like when are we if we can't have conversations online about sex then where the fuck are we going to have conversations because no one feels comfortable doing it in the bedroom right so you know we need to start normalizing conversations in general and that's the thing and because we don't talk about it people have all of these fears because they don't know what's normal there is no there is no normal that's the other thing like sexuality is so fluid and so vast and so diverse it's like so beautiful but we have been told that sex should be just, you know, the most boring basic thing between two people. Nobody should talk about it. You should just have sex. Like what, how, how, what even is the normal thing that they say? I don't know, at least once a week or whatever. Like the, so you've got all of these things floating like all on the screen all the time about what's normal. And then you're like, why aren't I having sex that much? Or like, why don't, you know, oh, why am I attracted to this or why are they so, like, because no one talks about it, they feel that they're different or wrong or inadequate and then it just creates more problems But because no, we're not allowed to talk about it, we don't talk about it. There's, so nobody has any, like, realistic view of what sex is or what's normal in relationships or with yourself and, you know, masturbation is still like pretty shunned in you know with females particularly not so much with men which is awesome but you know I wish females were as comfortable like self-pleasuring and you know all of that sort of thing but we're not allowed we don't talk about it and so there's no um there's no real like gauge for anybody to work out if they are normal or if anything is wrong or how to make it right or how to make it better because when I speak about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something you said before, which I was like, I wanted to just return back to was, um, you know, like education, like sexuality, sexuality education to like help realize that what you see on porn isn't necessarily real. Right. And that's a, that's a, like, I, I say that, you know, and, and it's a view that's definitely perpetuated by a lot of people um, in, in our circles, I suppose. Um, but like where I think that becomes like, I've just seen like a problem with that particular mindset when it gets extended to the people in porn as well. Like I've heard people say, I've heard people say, for example, like I've heard um, to speak into what you were sharing before, I've heard women say that they don't like their partners watching porn, for example, because it doesn't portray real women. Like real women don't look like that. And my instant reaction is like, those are real women. Like that's a real person on on that screen. Like that sh- that's not a, that's not a that's not like it sh- they may be portraying a fantasy scene, but that's a real person doing that. You know, so there are obviously real people and real women that look like that. So, um, and I wanted to to maybe just bring that into this conversation as well. Was like the um, the like I guess the like the. What am I trying to say here? The like stereotypical or the stereotype that we have around like who does sex work, like the type of bodies of people that do sex work or the the, the aesthetics of 
porn performers and sex workers is that it's, i'm making any sense here i feel like i'm rambling a yeah, little bit, yeah. but does that make- <laughs> i know what you're saying i know what you're saying definitely um i think there there's obviously very stereotypical looks to do with sex workers and porn and so when you meet people that fall outside of that people are like really she doesn't look like a sex worker i'm like what is a sex work like what you know it's a woman that likes to have sex and gets paid for it essentially is what a sex worker is but yeah there's all of these um views of what a stereotypical sex worker is but what i will say about only fans and the um, things like that is how diverse the people are, the the creators are on these platforms and all different body shapes and all different women. Like I obviously don't like using the words normal or real women or anything like that because, like you said, we're all real women, right? But they're so diverse and um, and they do like all women who put in the effort and all of the things do incredibly well. Like there's women that are, you know, very different from what the stereotypical um, views are, just real women, whatever that means, and they just kill it. And I think so OnlyFans in that sense has been a huge benefit to like opening up people's perceptions to what is a real porn performer and what is, you know, who does porn. But um, it is it is funny, like back and talking about um, people have people view porn performers and things like that. Is the differences how people don't actually see porn performers as people in general, not real people at all? Like I'd had um, I did <laughs> articles with the Daily Mail a few years ago which was awful, um, but I read the comments, which is stupid, and um, the it's just like the comments that people would say about me and I'm like, you know, they're obviously people that would watch porn. They watch porn and then the views that they have on me as a performer in porn are just so dehumanising and I'm like, how do, people's, how do people function so far from you know, like they're watching porn and but how do they have this view of an individual that does porn as being such a like a, you know, just scum really, like, you know, you can't do anything better than this. All she does is like she's got no skills, no talents, or she's lying on her back, you know, that type of thing. But I'm like, but you guys watch porn. <laughs> like how can you enjoy and pleasure yourself to a woman and have these views like it's just so um, misaligned, but that but that all stems back to like not directly, but society as a whole is so misaligned when it comes to sex, and they're all like factors that contribute to to the you know the stereotypes and the stigma around sex work and porn, and and then because of like this big fear of um, sex as a thing and the lack of education, then there's like, you know, just breeds more of these views and super damaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you for, for sharing and speaking into that. Cause I, I I've spoken to a few um, women in the industry and, and it, it's harsh. Like it's, it's, it's full on. I, I, I won't be able to kind of fully understand that, but I, I appreciate you kind of sharing it. Um, and you know, the, the, if I speak from a like a male's perspective, a man's perspective, like what I see is 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 like there's just this consumer mentality when it comes to porn and sex work. I suppose for 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 men, 
which are you know predominantly the people that are watching porn and that are seeing sex workers, right? If we think percentage-wise, um, is that you know the, the the mentality is that women are these objects to to consume, right? They're, that yeah, and that that you're right, it is dehumanizing, and I think that's um, like I think that is a societal problem. I think we do that in general, right? We we spoke about like how sex is being used to be to to sell things, right? Oftentimes, it's like those two things are conflated. So I think we oftentimes um, like just see objectification just thrown out there for for the sake of you know trying to sell a yogurt or a you know or a razor yeah, or something exactly. like that. So no. um, so I think that yeah yeah exactly. So I think yeah. that needs to be that needs to be addressed like at a cultural level. But then at an individual level, like guys, like something that I do with guys is porn literacy and talking about the human beings that are acting in you know, that are performing in this particular um, scene that they're watching. So not only the idea that it's a performance, but also that these are human beings as well, that they're, you know, um, and who are these human beings? Are they, you know, are they, are they, is this a stage name or are they, are they enjoying themselves? Like, is it, is there some authenticity there? One of the reasons why I really like, um, you know, camming and OnlyFans, for example, is because it is, there's that, you know, it might be a little bit parasocial in, in the sense that it's a one-way kind of relationship, but there's still like, some authenticity and some genuineness there and um and you kind of get to see a little bit behind the curtain and you you kind of get to interact with like a, a literal human being and and i don't think that's like talked about enough in like the porn conversation where you've just got pro porn and anti-porn it's like what about this these you know what about these these uh, opportunities to kind of connect with people and where there's a little bit more humanization kind of happening um i don't think that's acknowledged enough and i was you know i was wondering have you um, I know you did a little bit of um, OnlyFans when the first lockdown kind of happened, but have you had any of that experience of that little bit more humanizing or, you know, being able to be a bit more authentic, I suppose, with regards to the content you're producing? And, and um, I guess maybe even as you've progressed over sex work as well, has there been a, a shift in the way you've shown up in terms of your authenticity um, for clients? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I still am doing OnlyFans. It's been a bit more challenging with my daughter at home. Um, That's very understandable, by the way. I've got a little child, um, four-month-year-old, and (laughs) yeah, just shit does not get done when he's around, for sure. Oh, she's so, she's like at an age now where she questions everything. So like, yeah, it opens more questions than it's worth. so, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what makes it so OnlyFans so engaging, I think, is and that's what makes a good creator or gets you into like the high earning capacity. And like when I'm not able to do it, I don't have the capacity because I have so much, so many other things on. Like my income will drop dramatically because you need to be online to talk to them and to like just talk about their day or just generally just speak with them, engage um, as people because they are people. They're paying a service, uh, they're paying a fee, not as much as obviously my normal job, but but they're still people. They have the same needs just in a different context. And um, so, so, yeah, it is really important. The more, oh, but, and in the terms, sorry, um, as to the, what type of content. So I film with my partner, who lives in Queensland at the moment, so I haven't been able to film in a long time um, with lockdowns and everything. So, and that's what they like. Like anytime, like we don't script it or anything because it's just like, I even I use films that we've made way before OnlyFans with his permission, of course, you know, just things we've made years ago. And they just, 
that's what people love, like the authenticity, like the connection, like the intimacy between two actual people that are in love and, you know, have a connection. It's not scripted. It's not like super exciting sex or wild or anything, but it doesn't need to be. It's just like it's just real and it's authentic and that um, those videos are the ones that do better. I mean, I do like scripted things with other workers, but they, you know, they don't sell as well. I don't get the same feedback as what I do about like the real, uh, real actual videos. That's amazing. And, and so important to hear as well for people like listening is like, there is a, you know, like, cause I, I think people get like real defeatist and nihilistic about like mainstream porn. It's like, oh, this is just how guys are. They just want this real sensationalized, like violent. And it's like, I don't believe that. I actually don't think that's the case. And I, I, I think, I think we as human beings and, and, you know, if I speak collectively as, as men and the people that I've worked with want to see genuine pleasure, genuine intimacy, like the chemistry between partners. I, I think um, just based on the conversations I have with guys that, the only reason why they're using mainstream porn is, you know, and, and kind of contributing to the, um, that kind of industry side of things is, is because they don't really know of any alternatives. There's not a lot of like awareness around the fact that there is like genuine couples <laughs> producing content together where you can kind of, you know, interact, and engage with them. I, I think there's like, yeah, I just think there's like this really, um, defeatist attitude when it comes to, to men using porn and, I don't, I just don't subscribe to that. I just don't think it's the case. No. It, yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's always um, very easy to tell with like sex work, the men that watch porn a lot. <laughs> um, I remember one, I'll just give you one example, one particular booking that I had and he, this guy was, he was a virgin and I was, he booked a really long time, but I was like, be done in a few minutes. Like he's a virgin. <laughs> wasn't the case um, the guy had obviously watched a lot of porn and um he'd be touching me a certain way and I'm like don't do that it hurts like or it's too intense like I don't like it it's just too much sensation and he's like no no you like it and I'm like I don't like it I'm telling you I don't no no you like it and I'm like I don't like it stop he's like but you're making noises and I'm like yes <laughs> I'm making noises because it's a very intense thing I don't like it and I mean, like, there's always boundary issues there as well, but it's just like this, um, yeah, perce- like uh, an untrue perception of what a woman, what a woman wants, and what she's saying is like, no, 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 yeah, no, you like it, no, I don't. <laughs> and but that, but yeah, like depending on what porn he's been watching, I don't know, but yeah, like um, it, that's where it come, becomes damaging because it's not real. And I mean, there's a lot in porn, like you said, there's many layers of what's not great about it but it does come back to education and like it can be really great and it can be worthwhile and even the scripted stuff like I personally like I watch all different porn but like I sorry I watch more porn than most men <laughs> but um but like I like scripted stuff and sometimes you know like actually I like it more than the normal you know amateur stuff but I mean everyone like every everybody likes different things that's the beauty of it but I also like don't want to live out all of those things. Like I don't want some, you know, plumber to come and like start fucking me, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so you've got to have like the realistic understanding of what's normal, well, not normal, that's a bad word, but what's um appropriate <laughs> in a sexual setting. And I really like how you, um, thank you for sharing that, that, that story it, it, because I think there's this like, 
uh, maybe this is my projection, but I, I think there's this, like this narrative that sex workers will just like put up with clients. Like if the like they'll just they'll they'll let their own boundaries be crossed um, and just have sex regardless, like what, whatever it looks like. When I, I, like you've just shared, I don't think that's the case, right? Like having that boundary and saying like, hey, this is this I don't like this. Let's can you stop doing that? Like let's do this instead. And I think that's really important to shine a light on as well because that. Again, if I just like think of my own biases here and my own projections, that's definitely something that I have kind of thought. Um, so if I've thought it, I definitely know other people have, have probably had that same thought as well. So um, I wanted to to just kind of circle back to that and um, was wondering if you're able to speak more into like, I guess, um, without getting too, too uh, in detail here with clients, but like in terms of your own pleasure, like is that kind of something that you prioritize in in sessions with clients or is there is there a, a kind of a line that you got to go back and forth across it's super interesting um i have like i've it's been something that's progressed uh from from the beginning really so like i'm lucky in a sense that i can i can orgasm really quite easily but um at the beginning i didn't like orgasm with clients i felt like there was my own internal like issues with sex work, I suppose. I'm like, I don't want this man to make me orgasm. Like I'm not attracted to him. I don't, like, I feel like my body was betraying me essentially. And, um, but that was my own thing. And, but, you know, now I'm like, well, if I can actually enjoy it, like why not, right? (laughs) You know, and like, it's good for me. It's good for them. Everybody wins. Um, So, but yeah, so I don't make it a priority. I'll like if they want to do a certain position or whatever, then I'll just do whatever they want really in that sense. But if it's something that I don't want to do, um, then I'll say I don't want to do it. Like that's that's a huge thing that people think is that they've handed over the money and so that gives them the right to do whatever they want. I'm like, I'm still human. <laughs> um, and which is you know, caused some pretty ugly situations. And it's, again, one, a, a huge reason why there needs to be education within the industry for new workers, because you're allowed to have boundaries. It's still your body. They're pay, paying for your time and an experience, but that doesn't mean that they can do whatever they want to you. And um, if it doesn't feel good, like, I don't want you to do it. Like, I want to have a good time too, you know. Like, even if it's not about my sexual pleasure, I'm not, I don't want to do something that's uncomfortable or feels weird or I don't want to hate you after it because you you're doing something that hurts me or like I've said no to or or whatever it is um so yeah it's it is a misconception I think that we don't have boundaries and we just do whatever we want or whatever the client wants and it's funny the the clients will I I feel like this is a very ego thing around sex things like they'll like I want I want you to have a good time like I want to make you come and I'm like, you want to think I came. <laughs> you don't really care if I come. <laughs> you just want me to go through emotions and, you know, they're like, come, come for me, come for me. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I came. <laughs> so it's not really about my pleasure. It's about their ego wanting to know that they've pleased me. <laughs> um, yeah. That, and that's a mentality that guys have in general, I feel like, for sex. Like a lot of guys, their ego is wrapped up in their partner's pleasure and they don't actually... Like I've said this before um, and um, and I'll say it again, is I think guys are more concerned about their partner's pleasure than they are about their own pleasure, right? And I, I 
I make a distinction here between pleasure and gratification. Guys want to get gratified, right? That that you know they're very good at it. They know how to do it. Very they are very efficient at it. Um, but when it comes to pleasure, a lot of guys diminish their own experience of pleasure. I mean, like full-bodied, like multi-orgasmic, really intense experiences of pleasure. Like guys will be like, oh no, I just fucking busted a big nut, right? That's the difference between pleasure and gratification there. Um, because what they do is they 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 outsource their pleasure. And like you said, they they want their partner to to have pleasure, but not necessarily in a in a like genuine sense, but like they want that perceived pleasure from their partner, right? And and I feel like a lot of women, a lot of women feel that as well, feel that kind of pressure, that burden to, you know, show that pleasure. And I think that's where a, a lot of faking of orgasms comes from, at least in, in the conversations that I had with, with couples. Uh, I completely agree with that so much. I think that's um, exactly what happens because, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's really quite ego-based. Well, that's my view. I mean, it's only my view. I can only speak from you know, my, my view of it. But, um, but if someone's like, <laughs> someone comes to you and they like, I'm the best at giving head and, you know, I make every girl come like in you know, three minutes or whatever it is. I'm just so good at it. And then like, if they do, if you, they didn't do it for you and they've already got this view of how great they are, you can't like, you can't be like, no, sorry, you didn't do it for me because their whole experience is based on, them being good at something like that ties into their satisfaction and their gratification and as a sex worker I can't be like actually just do it completely differently <laughs> because it's not my it's not my pleasure it's it's their experience and they just need to believe that um that they're doing it well and that like I'm just fucking loving it but yeah again when there's when there's a pressure on you as well it's very hard to just like relax into it and just feel something because you've like got all of these pressure it's just pressure it just doesn't you know work that easily sometimes yeah yeah uh, um lana i'm mindful of time and um i'd love to to jump into this last question then for the, the official podcast is um maybe for people that are listening like considering i've got a um a predominantly male audience for for guys that uh have maybe uh, i guess guys who've who've not seen a sex worker before but uh you know, they're open to the idea that maybe they're considering it. Um, what are some suggestions you have for, for those type of guys? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I would suggest that they figure out what it is that they want to, you know, like obviously they want sex from a sex worker, right? That's typically the the thing, but usually there's an underlying need or want uh, that it, you know, comes down to, because if it's just sex, they could just go to a brothel potentially is like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, I feel like sex work or escorts um, offer a different service. That's not just sex. It's more about connection. It doesn't always have to be, it could just be that they want um, a specific sexual experience um, or that they want like an intimacy, intimate sort of connection or, you know, there's usually some other need um so I would suggest figuring out what that really is whether it just be like some hot sexual like rendezvous then um so be it but because every different sex worker has different skills and but you get the idea of what you know so not not just I guess my my advice is not just choosing because of the photos because <laughs> everybody's photos look gorgeous but to work out what you really want from that person and read the info and when you contact them, put all of the information in the one message to start with. 
Um, but yeah, having a clear understanding of what the experience is that you want so you can communicate that. So if it's like a porn star experience, for instance, where you've got like a spe- specific kink that you want to want to explore or experience, um, be clear about it, what you're wanting. So there's no point booking someone and then finding out that they won't fuck you up the ass with like a strap on or, <laughs> you know, like be clear and, um, yeah, about what you actually want and find the appropriate sex worker so your experience is amazing. Because if you find someone that you if you want a really raunchy experience and you find someone that's more like girlfriend central inclined, then you're probably not going to, it's not going to be as satisfying and gratifying as what you'd want it to be. So find the perfect girlfriend, or not the perfect, but the one that's appropriate for uh, what you need. Yeah. And and what just generally good advice of like asking for what you want and be, like knowing what it is that you want as <laughs> yeah. well. Like that's just fucking it's, good advice in general. It sounds so basic, but it's really like I've got clients or inquiries them like they'll book the porn star experience. I'm like, okay, what do you want to experience? Everything. <laughs> like <laughs> the list is like so long. Like what do you what do you want? Oh, you know, I want, want it all. I'm like, so you want a prostate massage? Oh no, 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 I don't want a prostate massage. You want rimming? Oh no, 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 I don't want rimming. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what do you want then? <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's exactly the type of work that I do with guys is like just getting them to learn about their desires and letting getting them to learn about what it is that they're what it is that they actually want yeah. from from sex. Actually, I think that's I, such an important thing. I'd never actually considered that they might not really even know exactly. Thank you for that. I hadn't actually considered it goes back like that much. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I could share some value with you as well. Thank you very much. Um, that's uh, I just want to say thank you for your time to to chat on the podcast. Hey there, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account. You can find the link for that in the description below. You'll have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind-the-scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So, like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.